Welcome to a New Testament journey. We'll have our Bible reading followed by our devotional. Romans 11. I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he appealed to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I'm the only one left and they are trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it works, it would no longer be grace. What then? What the people of Israel sought. So earnestly they did not obtain. The elect among them did. But the others were hardened. As it was written, God gave them a spirit of stupid eyes that could not see and ears that could not hear to this very day. And David says, May their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. Again, I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world, and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their full inclusion bring? I am talking to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I take pride in my ministry, in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. If some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. Do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness Otherwise, you also will be cut off. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. 
After all, if you're cut out of an olive tree, that's as wild by nature and contrary to nature, were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in, and in this way all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the Deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. For God's gift and his call are irrevocable, just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience. So they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound everyone to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. On the depth of the riches of of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. The doxology, declaration of glory, of verses 33 to 36, is one of my favourite passages in all of Scripture. What has got Paul so excited? Unexpectedly, it's the fate of Israel. Paul has already confessed to agonising over that. How can it now evoke such praise? When we place this passage in context, we realise chapters 9 to 11 have been Paul advocating for the absolute embodiment of his gospel in the church. Our glorious current experience and robust hope must be demonstrated in fullness in the church. Saints need to accept Paul's words as the everlasting words of God. Saints need to yield their emotions to the wisdom of God. And now here we see that saints must devote themselves to collaborative bodies of mercy and to do so without a hint of conceit. When Paul looks at churches, he sees they are made up of the most unlikely people. Devoted Jews are now like family with the Gentiles. Only the unsearchable mercy of God could make something so beautiful out of such an assortment of sinners. And that is the key pastoral message of this chapter. We are sinners saved by grace. Our journey through the process of atonement, our rebirth into a new people in Jesus, 
our staggering hope of co-ruling all the nations, when we look at those things and look at ourselves, we shake our heads in bewilderment. It leads us to ask, how can I be part of this? And then to embody humble devotion to Jesus's church. Paul, to his horror, found that some of the Gentiles were parading around like they deserved to be in church, treating the Jews like they should not be there. Such behaviour is anathema to true understanding of the gospel of Paul. This passage doesn't promise that millions of Jewish believers will pour into the kingdom in the last days, but it does urge Gentile believers to have that desire and to manifest that desire in how they respond to all believers of any nation today. Grateful devotion to a body of believers with all their quirks is what it means to live without conceit. When you humbly love the church, it's like you're joining Paul in a doxology of devotion to the wisdom of the God from whom, through whom and to whom are all things forever and ever. Amen. Here is a question for reflection. How could your treatment of others mirror the mercy God has shown you? We pray God's word bears fruit in your life. For all the information about the New Testament journey, head to www.anewtestamentjourney.net.